episode 194 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to peel an especially difficult orange. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about fruit and veggie games. First, we discuss a couple games we played recently, Ariana Trench, The Ultimate Puzzle Book for Pirates, Head Trip, and I, My Favorite Things. Then, we talk about our top five games that utilize fruits and veggies. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. Recently, I got a review copy of not a board game, but a puzzle book called Ariana Trench, The Ultimate Puzzle Book for Pirates. Someone reached out to me and, and sent me a review copy. It's available on Amazon, and it's like a book of puzzles. <laughs> Wait, Which is a what puzzle a puzzle book? book is. Hold on, that's full of puzzles? <laughs> yeah. Um, Who would have thought? <laughs> so um, I like a lot of different types of puzzle books. This one had a lot of easier puzzles. It seemed like it was for beginners or for kids, but it has like all different types of puzzles, like word problems, some like simple math algebra, some brain teasers, some logic puzzles, some like diagrams. Some of the puzzles had some colors in it, so it might not be colorblind friendly, but most of them were just like black and white with images and graphics and then text. But yeah, there's all, all sorts of different puzzles and riddles. So if you like simple puzzles or like if you're interested in the idea of puzzle books and haven't done like a lot of them yet, this might be a good like starter one. But for me, it was a little bit too easy. So in addition to like all the puzzles, it also has like a metal puzzle kind of. So a metal puzzle in sometimes in puzzle books, there's something called a metal puzzle, which is, combines like all of the previous puzzle answers or like a lot of the previous puzzles into a, a bigger interconnected puzzle that goes with some story and stuff. So in this one, the metal puzzle was, it wasn't really using the other puzzles. It was just using parts in between the other puzzles that were like separate pages. So it was mostly non-connected puzzles. They're all like pirate themed. The metal puzzle was like a story that you're trying to find this this pirate treasure chest. And so like, that's the final answers. Where's the pirate treasure chest? But like all of the puzzles weren't really related to that story. It was just like, you know, pirate stuff themed around pirate okay. stuff for, for different puzzles. <laughs> for all of the puzzles, they have solutions at the back of the book, which is nice because you want to know if you're right <laughs> when you do the puzzle books. Um, except for the meta puzzle, that didn't have the solution anywhere that I saw in the book. But I think like it's something you pretty much know when you got it. So yeah, but th there aren't any like hints or anything. For me, that wasn't a problem because it was pretty easy for me. So I didn't need any hints, but I don't know if other people would want like a hint system or something. So this was uh, the ultimate puzzle book for pirates or Ariana Trench, the ultimate puzzle book for pirates. <laughs> it's a long name. Yeah, so it's like a simple puzzle book for beginners, I think. Awesome. Recently, a publisher reached out to Ambie and I and offered us a copy of their upcoming new game. And I will admit, I was skeptical. I think Ambie would probably fall into the same boat. <laughs> the game is called Head Trip, and the company is Cards Against Humanity. And full disclosure, when the very lovely woman from their company emailed us, I emailed her back and said, thank you so much for reaching out, but Cards Against Humanity is not a game that Ambie and I tend to gravitate toward. And we're not certain that a game from your company would be something that we would enjoy, you know, where we don't want you to waste your time and your money and whatever else. And she was like, I'll send it to you anyway. Do whatever you want with it. Burn it if you want. And so yeah. we were like, okay, sure. The letter when we got it too. Yeah, it literally was like, do whatever you want with this. And so I am not obligated to talk about this in any way, shape or form. But I do know that there are a lot of people out there who still enjoy kind of the irreverent adult humor style 
party games, I, at one point in my gaming career, got a lot of fun out of Cards Against Humanity. That is a true fact. I don't enjoy it anymore, but that doesn't mean I didn't. So Head Trip is a cooperative party game where you are trying to predict what your friends are thinking if they were someone else. So basically a card is drawn and a person takes on that persona. So for instance, you are an alien trying as hard as you can to pose as human. So that is the persona maybe for one round. And then another card is pulled from a different deck and a question is posed. And one person answers the question as the persona would, as they believe it would. And then everyone else has to debate and guess what that person answered as the Mm. other person. (laughs) And that's basically it. There's, you know, some details about how tokens get passed around and how point scoring works. But that's the gist. And I will say, similar to Cards Against Humanity, there are cards in this box that I saw and immediately went, I'm never playing with this. I'm never playing with that. I'm never, nope, uh uh-uh, not, not okay. For me personally, again, you know, but there are actually a lot of cards in here, like the one I just read about, you know, an alien trying to be human that are less adult content related and not offensive in any way that I can really fathom. So I would say if you are a gamer that does enjoy this style of game, or you have a group that enjoys this style of game, or you're kind of like me and you sometimes like these types of games, but maybe you're willing to go through the time of kind of editing the box. I think if I went through these decks and pulled out certain cards, this could become more playable for me. In its Mm -hmm. current state, if we used the cards as drawn, it would not work for me because there were cards that we were drawing that I was like, no, I'm literally throwing this to the side. We're not doing that. So yeah, and I'll, I'll read one example of a question. So somebody might have to answer, what makes the Beatles' Hey Jude such a timeless classic? A, the repetition of the words, Hey Jude. B, everyone can relate to Jude who made something bad. C, the part at the end with all the screaming. Or D, it's incredible length stretching over five days. That is funny to me. That card (laughs) is funny. And there are a lot of those in here. So I think this game has value. Mm -hmm. I think it's still, your mileage may vary. So that is my my quick review of Head Trip from Cards Against Humanity. I will Mm -hmm. say I liked it more than I expected to, but that doesn't mean it's perfect. I think like for me, I mean, I wasn't planning on playing it and probably still won't. But um, yeah, the cooperative probably makes it better too than like a competitive thing where it's kind of like random. (laughs) Yeah, no, because everybody is trying to basically, you can put your tokens on different answers, but Mm -hmm. you basically, the final question, everyone has to agree on and Mm -hmm. things like that. So like I said, it's not perfect. It's not the best party game I've ever played by any means, but I think it has a place in the market. And I think Cards Against Humanity has created something that will have broad appeal for this type of audience. Mm -hmm. And my kids like the box. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and actually the component quality is really nice. Like the the tokens are inside are these nice, like thin, lightweight wooden tokens. And there's a really nice draw bag to put the tokens in. Mm. I'll say the component quality is the insert is great. So yeah, that's that's always, you know, a plus too. Okay, so let's say you want to get to know your friends and you don't want to play an irreverent adult humor party game. I've got something for you. And that is I My Favorite Things. And you may be saying, Crystal, you've talked about I My Favorite Things for years on this podcast. 
And that is true. I have. This is not going to be a full like explanation. I'll give you the quick and dirty. But basically, and very excitingly, Play for Keeps is republishing I My Favorite Things. And I am so excited that they offered me a preview copy. So the copy that I have is not the final production version of the game, but it does have a lot of the new artwork. And it's pretty close from what I can tell for the most part. And it looks really nice and I love it. So for those of you who have not heard me whack poetic about this game a hundred times. I, my favorite things, and that is I-E-Y-E, like the eyeball in your head, I, my favorite things, is a party trick-taking game where you don't know the numbers on your cards, but not because they're facing out, like in some trick-taking games. You don't know the numbers because the player to either your left or your right has hidden them after they've written things on the cards. You pick a category. For instance, Ambie, I might give you your favorite beverages. I might have you write down your favorite beverages. And so you're going to take your cards, the ranked one through five, and then one with a little broken heart symbol on it. And you are going to rank your top five beverages. And then you're going to write down one beverage that you don't like at all. You're going to slide the cards into these sleeves where now I can see the answers you wrote protected by the sleeves so they won't get rubbed off on the table, but I can't see the numbers anymore. Everyone is doing that with a player to their left or right. Simultaneously, we pass the cards back and now we play a trick-taking game with the answers <laughs> the other player gave you. So I am now playing a hand with Ambie's favorite drinks. So throughout the course of the trick-taking game, the player who plays the lowest valued numerical, AKA the best ranked item in any given trick will win the trick with the exception that if one player plays a one ranked card, meaning the best one, a player who plays the broken heart card can actually steal the trick from them if they play that. So there's a little bit of subversion there. You would think like, is the trick taking game complete madness? It really isn't. You'll be like, oh wait, this is probably ranked higher for Ambi beverage wise than that movie is ranked for my friend John, right? Like you can kind of suss that stuff out. <laughs> so it's a really fun way to get to know your friends via a very unconventional party game. It's very quick, two rounds, five tricks around. You can play with up to seven people. So it's lightning fast. You can play it multiple times. The game provides a lot of suggestions for categories in case you're like, I have no idea what to do. I will admit I gave my friend Pam, listener of the show and longtime friend of mine now, I, what did I write on hers? I wrote single word you would exclaim if someone surprised you with a smack on the booty. <laughs> <laughs> and so she had to write down a what single a word prompt. on each card and I had to figure out. And you know what's funny? I was like, this this will be impossible. But when I was looking at them, I was like, wait, I think I actually know the order of these. So the weird categories can actually be quite fun. I still love I My Favorite Things. I'm so happy it's getting reprinted. I believe it's going to be going to crowdfunding soon. Keep an eye out for it. I highly, highly recommend it. Whether you like trick takers, party games or anything in between. And thank you so much to Play for Keeps for sending me a review copy yeah and i i think in the email it said that it's going to be on kickstarter october 26th Ooh, perfect so that's real soon along with string railway which is a game that i used to own and played it's a train game where you're like literally building routes with shoestrings kind of yeah they sent me a copy of that one too and i haven't had a chance to play it yet but i'm really excited to <laughs> yeah, try yeah, it it's, it's a really unique game we used to own it but got rid of it because we didn't play it as much as we wanted to but but I kind of, it was fun. <laughs> now, now you're like, do I want it again? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, y'all check out Play for Keeps Kickstarter launching on the 26th. Uh, it has the Blitz seal of approval all over it, apparently. <laughs> 
early in the tenure of our podcast, Board Game Blitz, back when we started, we didn't have as much of a rapport with one another. And I think it was harder for us to have just kind of nuanced conversations about broader topics. And so something we did pretty frequently was top five lists about just kind of random categories that you could put games into. And it actually ended up being fun because we would dig into games that would often not end up on necessarily like a favorite games list in general, but that we really like and wanted to talk about. And so it's something that we've continued doing over the years. And I, we actually haven't done one of this style, I think in a little while. We've done some top five lists, but they've been a little more like normal <laughs> top five <laughs> lists, if I, like worker placement games type stuff like that. This is going to go back to the more like not quite as serious topically. And today we are talking about our top five fruit and veggie games, which is that a thing? It is now, and we're going to talk about it. So basically the rules for this are whatever we make them to be. That is, if there are fruit and or veggies in the game, they can be counted. I personally did exclude some games like, okay, Letter Jam's got a strawberry on the box, but and it's got a fruit pun, but no, it's not on my list, even though I love it. <laughs> Yeah, Bananagrams. I played it for the first time recently and it comes in a banana bag, but no, it's not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. I think all of mine are like ones that have fruit and veggies like in as components in the, I mean, not, not actual fruit because otherwise that would be an edible game. But <laughs> oh man, that would be a stinky game. That would like, yeah, yeah what if durian Especially? had durian? <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, I don't want to spoil too many of our picks, so let's get on to the list. All right, for my number five, it's actually not my number five. I'm uh, having my kids re replace my number five because um, when I was thinking of games with fruit in it, like the first thing that came to mind was First Orchard, which is a children's game. I, I mean, personally that's fair. <laughs> don't really like it that much because it's very simple. But I was thinking like First Orchard and then I was looking at, like kid games have all these interesting themes. So then Hungry as a Bear also has a bear eating fruits and veggies and other food. So yeah, my kids really like those games. <laughs> I mean, fruit is a very recognized thing for a young mm -hmm. child, right? They're going to be eating fruit. It'll be in all of the picture books. So it yeah. seems like for kids games, it's a good thing to have in them. Yeah. Awesome. My number five pick is Tucano, which is a set collection card game where players are choosing cards to create sets of different types of fruit. And when I say different types of fruit, I mean every kind of fruit you can freaking imagine is in this game. So many types of fruit. There's little toucans on the cards that will give you special abilities. You can steal cards from other players. You can flip your cards face down so they can't be stolen, but then you can't look at them anymore, which in a set collection game can get real confusing real fast because some of the sets provide you positive points and some of them are bad. So when you're choosing to flip your cards over or to collect more, it, it can be interesting decision making. I really love it. I've only gotten to play it digitally a whole bunch on Board Game Arena. I don't own a physical copy yet, but it is one that will get added to my collection at some point. That is two. Tucano. My number four is durian, which which we mentioned briefly in that it would stink a lot, but... <laughs> <laughs> But well, the Durian, game doesn't stink. <laughs> yeah, the game doesn't stink. Durian is a bluffing game by Oink Games. It's kind of like Liar's Dice, but you can't see your own card. So you, everyone has a card that has like different fruits on it. And then on your turn, you're flipping over a card from the deck and then putting it on this shopping pile. So the cards have two sides. It's either like, so you could have a card that has like either three grapes or one cherry or something. And then you pick which side goes onto the demand side. And then like when the demand exceeds the supply, which is what everyone's cards are, then you 
you bust. And so you're like, on your turn, you're deciding whether you ring the bell and think that it has been busted or you keep going. So you're kind of like, press your luck slash bluffing because you can see other people's cards and you're like, okay, yeah, there's definitely this many grapes out and this many durians so I can put this down and do it confidently. And then the next person's like, do I have that grape? Like, so it can be a lot of fun. It's lower down on the list because I get stressed out with it a lot. I don't like bluffing as much in games generally, but like it's a good bluffing game. <laughs> if you like bluffing, then definitely. So that's Durian. My number four is Abandon All Artichokes, which wins the award on this list for best named game. Absolutely. It is, <laughs> I just, it is one of the funniest game names in my collection. So in Abandon All Artichokes, you are literally trying, it is a deck shedding game where you are trying to remove all of the artichokes from your deck, or at least remove enough of them that when you draw a five card hand at the end of your turn, that you will have no artichokes in it. You start with 10 artichokes and throughout the course of the game you will be picking up other vegetables from the garden row and those vegetables will all have special powers on them that you can play. On your turn you always draw a card from the garden row then play as many cards as you can from your hand or want to and then discard and continue on and as soon as a player can draw a five card hand that contains no artichokes they instantly win the game. It plays very quickly, it's very fun, the artwork is hilarious, all of the little artichokes Chokes are making funny little faces, and I absolutely adore this game. It's <laughs> really, really great. And there's there's a lot of deck building games, light, heavy, and otherwise, but deck shedding games are less common, especially I would say in the kind of the lighter card game category. And this one does it right. So my number oh. four pick: Abandon All Artichokes. Yeah, I haven't played that one, but I'd like to try it at some point. It's on BGA. I know you don't like digital games, <laughs> I, but I'll I don't play like it with playing. you anytime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number three is Dungeon Pets, which is one of my favorite games I've mentioned many times before. It's lower down on the list because it doesn't have as many fruits and veggies as some of the other games. <laughs> but Dungeon Pets is a game about, it's like a Tamagotchi, the board game. <laughs> You're raising little pets and like giving them food and cleaning up their poop and stuff. It's a heavier worker placement game, but like part of it is some of the pets eat meat and some of them eat veggies. So you're like going to the market and getting meat or veggies to feed your pets. So that, that's the veggies in there. Not that much veggies. Caring for a Tamagotchi was hard at times. Dungeon <laughs> yeah. Pets is way harder than caring for a Tamagotchi. <laughs> also, they just brought back Tamagotchis and I heard they're oh, like really? good. Yeah, I heard that they- I never had one. I always <sighs> wanted one. <laughs> I had I had a Tamagotchi and I loved that thing. Like I'm, I'm vaguely curious, but I think I'll just be more annoyed by it than anything else. Cause like we Probably, have too many yeah. digital devices in our lives, right? Like if you're a kid <laughs> and you don't, like I feel like yeah. it's great. But as an uh -huh. adult, I think it'll be cute for about five minutes and then I'll just be like, <laughs> I don't want this anymore, yeah. <laughs> But then I'll feel guilty for neglecting it because I'm that kind of person. I have empathy for non-real creatures. So, <laughs> sorry. So back to the dungeon pets. <laughs> well, that, that was it for dungeon pets. Okay. On to your uh, number three. All right. My number three is fruit picking. Fruit picking is a Moncala style game where you are trying to collect fruit cards. This can be played solo or multiplayer, and I do not often play games solo, but I love the solo mode of fruit picking. I've played this one both digitally and in person. I have a physical copy of it. So what you do is you have a circle around your little player area, and you are picking up tokens and dropping them one at a time around the circle, and wherever you end up, 
on the circle, more tokens will come out based on whatever fruit is on the space you landed on. For instance, if it is a single fruit, like a single water, there are no watermelons, but if it's a watermelon, one watermelon, one token would come out. If it's two bananas, two tokens would come out and so on and so forth. The type of banana isn't as important at that point, but there are cards at the top that you're trying to collect. You have to collect those by having enough tokens collected at the top of your circle that you've dropped off on a place that isn't a fruit and must land your last token dropped onto that fruit tile in your circle. There is a lot of planning and strategy necessary to make those things happen because you have to be able to pay the cost of the card you're acquiring and you have to be able to land on that tile to be able to acquire it. So there's a lot of nuance there. It is a relatively light game mechanically, but strategically it can be very, very difficult, especially at first. I love it. It is so fun. I'll teach anybody anytime. That's fruit picking. My number two is Salad Master, which is the most healthy one on my list because it's all veggies and fruits. <laughs> so that's why it's high on the list. But um, it's a trivia, well, kind of like educational party game from Taiwan. But it has a lot of cards with a bunch of different like fruits and vegetables. Each card is a different fruit or vegetable, like banana, asparagus, cabbage or something. And then it has stats on the back. So one side, you just see the picture of the, of the item. And then on the back, it has like how many calories it has, how many carbs, four different stats. I forget, I forget what they are. And then you have a hand of cards that you cannot see the stats and you can see the stats of everyone else's. It tells you like what it is and what the stats are, but you can't see your own stats. And then each turn or round, you're like picking a card that says like most calories or fewest calories or like most carbs or like second most or something. And so you're trying to play the card that has the most out of everyone. So like you pick one card from your hand and everyone's picking one card from their hand and playing it and they're trying to get the most calories or whatever the goal is. So it's kind of interesting because like you don't know how many calories. You, you can see other people's like, oh, okay, so the banana has this many calories so I have an orange so maybe it's close to that or maybe it's not or like <laughs> banana definitely has more calories than an orange yeah. it has to right okay. like, I think yeah I think, I think. Bananas, bananas are really sugary yeah <laughs> <laughs> so but you're thinking okay like maybe this is similar to that like compared to like lettuce or something <laughs> like oh, yeah. oh maybe lettuce oh they have cabbage that might be similar or something and you're not sure and so you're trying to play based on what other people play and then like when you refill your hand you get to pick from two piles so it's like okay I want to pick this one because I need something that has more calories or something. So there's also Meat Master, which is not veggie full. Our group actually likes Meat Master more because, you know, Toby really likes meat. And I think there's more variety than the veggie ones. It seems like the calories are always very close, whereas the meat ones, it varies more. But it's the same gameplay pretty much. And Salad Master is the one with the fruits and veggies. So that's my number two. Well, we kind of almost synergized <laughs> on our number two pick because my number two pick is Point Salad. So we're, we're yeah, salad. Salads. for number two. <laughs> Point salad is another card game where you are collecting vegetables. It is another set collection game as well. And it's interesting because you have two different options on your turn. You either take two of the six face up vegetable cards that are on the table, or you take one of the three scoring cards that are available. Scoring cards all have a vegetable on the back of them. And so when cards get taken, new stuff gets flipped over. So by taking cards, you are both both removing other cards from availability from the other players and potentially flipping over scoring cards that already exist that you aren't even choosing, depending on what you pick. 
So there's some strategy in what you're choosing, not just for yourself, but trying to deny the other players what they might need. And then after you've collected cards, vegetable cards are just there for the remainder of the game. But those scoring cards that you pick up, you can at one point flip them over to their veggie side. So if you pick up a scoring card that has some negatives on it and you end up with a bunch of that vegetable through some other means or you just something else happened, had to take them, you can actually flip that scoring card over to its vegetable side so it will no longer do its scoring stuff, which could be good or bad depending on what else is on the card. So for a light card game, again, a decent amount of strategy here. It is a winner with everyone I brought it out with. I actually bought this at Gen Con. The only year I went to Gen Con was the year that this game came out. And this was my one, my one game that year that I like went and bought from the booth before the vendor hall opened because I was in there as a, I was helping run a booth. So I was in there early and I went over and I bought my copy before mm-hmm. anybody else got it that day. It wasn't the first day of the con, but like, <laughs> I was like, I had to have it. And I don't even know why. I think it was just that Gen Con fever thing that you get when you're <laughs> yeah. at Gen Con. Like, you're just like, it's a new game. I must buy it. And honestly, I don't know why I picked Point Salad, but I'm glad I did because it has gotten a lot of play for me. Honestly, the only most annoying thing about it is when you're playing with less players, you have to remove a bunch of cards. Mm. So that that tends to be a little annoying, but I'll still take it. So that's my number two, Point Salad. Cool. My number one is Kitchen Rush which is a real-time cooperative game where you are working in a restaurant and making dishes. So some of those dishes include veggies as ingredients um, and fruits maybe. And some of the dishes are like salad dish or something. So lots of veggies in this one. Not as much as Salad Master, but the combination of me liking the game a lot and also a good amount of fruit and veggies is why it's my number one. But yeah, Kitchen Rush, it's a real-time cooperative. I really like those. You're doing different steps to cook the food. It's kind of thematic. You're like going, oh, there's, there's hourglasses as your workers. <laughs> which is like the big thing hourglass sand timers so you like go to different spaces on the board it's a worker placement with those sand timers and so you like you go and you have to wait till you, for your sand timer to run out to go to an, uh, another place because it takes time to do these things so you're going like buying food you have to go cook it in the oven and wait for your timer to run out and then cook it some more or like you want to wash dishes and so you're doing all these things and you have to like get the ingredients cook it and do the right amount in order to serve it to the the, the guest who wants it it's very hectic. <laughs> if you like real-time cooperative games, definitely a fun one. So that's Kitchen Rush. My number one deals with the fruit of the gods, which <laughs> I know I, this is a true fact, y'all. Cacao is in fact the beans of a fruit. Chocolate mm-hmm. is fruit, everyone. Tell, <laughs> tell, if you're a kid, tell your parents. If you want chocolate for breakfast, that's fruit. <laughs> Now, I'm not being coy. Cacao is actually a fruit. That is what the beans come from. But, you know, obviously processed chocolate has sugar and not healthy things. <laughs> but I, I digress. So cacao is my number one choice. It is a tile laying game where you are collecting cacao beans and then selling them and collecting other resources as well, gaining water to make sure that you can irrigate your lands, trying to gain control of temples that are in the area. And what's neat about this is when you play one of your tiles that has your meeples around the outside of it, those meeples will determine what actions you get to take and how many of those actions you get to take. So if you have one meeple on the side next to a tile, you'll get to take that action once. If you have three meeples on that side of the tile, you'll get to take that action three times when you place that tile there. And then after you place a tile, you'll get to fill in spaces with non-meeple tiles. So you can really strategically place things in a ways that benefit you the most and your opponents 
less so. It is super fun. This game came out eight years ago and I've been playing it for years and years and I still love it every single time I play it. I will say if you are a person who likes this game, if you can get your hands on the first expansion, I think it's really hard to come by, but it this is not a game where the expansion is required by any means, but it does add some really cool stuff in. It allows you to process your chocolate, the cacao beans into actual chocolate and get more money for them and some other stuff. But it's a Phil Walker Harding game, y'all. I mean, he's mm-hmm. only gotten bigger in the past eight years. Like, it seems yeah. like every game he releases, people are so excited about. And uh, yeah, this is one of his too. So cacao, my number one choice. Chocolate is fruit. That is the end of the story. <laughs> well, cacao does does it have the chocolate yet, or is it just the in, in the game without it's the, the the coke the cacao it's just, beans? Yeah, so so it is more of the fruit than because it's yeah, it really is it's not the chocolate I mean, yet. <laughs> yeah, well, but but I'm still saying chocolate is fruit oh. regardless. <laughs> okay. that's the that, that's, that's like the saying point, like the official board game blitz stance. Like, like, tell your parents, like, everyone. Jelly beans are fruit. <laughs> <laughs> All beans are fruit. No, wait, that doesn't work. (laughs) And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for more content and links. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Last Light, a 4X game that plays in under an hour, designed by friend of the show Roy Kennedy, is shipping soon, so head online or to your friendly local game store to order your copy now. And if you want to buy games at grayfoxgames.com, you can get 10% off your entire order, including promos, exclusives, and upgrades not available anywhere else by using the code BGBLITZ2023 at checkout. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord for game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. Support the show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you like us a lot and want to support us monetarily and get some cool perks, check out our Kofi at ko-fi.com slash boardgameblitz today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Until next time. You put the game on the calyx shelf, you stack them all up. Put the game on the calyx shelf, you stack them all up. Bye, everyone. Bye.